Viewpoints is VHB's thought leadership platform, where we share insights on critical issues and emerging technologies in the AEC industry. I'm Mike Carragher, President and CEO of VHB. I'm excited to introduce VHB's thought leaders and our client and partner podcast participants, all future-focused thinkers who want to reimagine the built environment. I hope you'll tune in often and leave inspired. Thanks, Mike. This is Dave Mahon, VHB's Chief Technology Officer, and I'm your host for Viewpoint's podcast, Episode 2, The Future of Advanced Air Mobility with Lilium, Vertiports, and the Passenger Experience. Today, I'm joined by Lilium Senior Manager of Public Policy, Matt Brofman, for the second half of our conversation about Orlando's very first EVITOL, an electric vertical takeoff and landing jet. Matt and I discussed the intricacies of the vehicle in Episode 1, and today, we're going to dig into the complexities of the Vertiport and the passenger experience. Uh, moving on to the uh, the landing spot, the vertiports, as we refer to them. Um, the vehicles need to take off and land somewhere, right? From one location uh, to another location. Wanted to spend some time talking about uh, the vertiports or the, you know, the helipads as they used to be called in some conversions, if you will. Um, what are some of the major components of a vertiport? Yeah, I think the way to think about a vertiport, right, is it's an airport, but instead of a runway, we have what we, you know, what the industry calls a FADO, which is the final area of takeoff and landing, but really that, that HUC painted on the ground, right? We have one of those instead of a runway, but otherwise it's a small airport. And by that, I mean, you know, the jets will take off and land on those FADOs, on, the, on those, those marked uh, FADOs, and then they will taxi, right, just as you would taxi at, a, at, a, at an airport into a gate. At that gate is where the passengers would deplane, uh, where we would be doing our charging, uh, where we would turn the aircraft and the next passengers would be getting on, and then we would taxi back out to a FADO to take off, right? And so you can really begin to think of these as, as many airport as many airports. The beauty though is, you know, the runway is the largest part of, of an airport. And, you know, yes, you can scale by making your, uh, your um, you know, you're you know, adding more gates, but right, we, as we know in any airport, there's a limiting factor before you need then another runway. Um, so, you know, we, we view, you know, our kind of hub uh, vertiports as we're calling them, the one that we've announced in Lake Nona. Uh, we also recently announced the one in Palm Beach, uh, you know, those having you know, about around seven gates, uh, really eight gates, one that will be used for maintenance, so seven active gates, uh, and, you know, hopefully two FADOs, depending on uh, what we can fit in. And, and when you think about what that looks like, you know, size-wise, that means we can fit these on, you know, somewhere around a, a half an acre, right? And so that begins to be compelling where we can start, you know, activating rooftops of parking garages um, or underutilized land that we might have near an urban environment. Um, and then I think, you know, there are going to be all sorts of versions of these uh, as they go, right? Because at the end of the day, what you really need is to make sure you've got that FADO uh, and then potentially the charging infrastructure you would need to, to charge and recharge. The rest of it's all about the passenger experience, right? There'll be a terminal building where passengers will arrive, they'll wait, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, uh, you know, use the facilities if they need to uh, and wait for their, their vehicle or their jet uh, to, to arrive and to, to board that jet. Um, so, you know, they're really functioning like those, those mini, like a mini airport. But again, I think we'll see different versions of them as, as we kind of grow and expand our network across Florida. So, so Matt, you, you refer to seven gates within a vertiport, um, and that's a lot of turnover for vehicles and coordination. You know, the question would be, how many vertiports do you see potentially needing, needed within a mid-sized city like Orlando that actually has about 300 population? Yeah, I think that number is going to grow, right? The the nice part about regional air mobility from a municipal, uh, you know, city county perspective is, you know, 
because we are doing this regionally, our initial network, right, will most likely have one, maybe two or three, depending on the city, but really one in each city is what is needed. And so the ability to find an, an ideal location in one city uh, is a lot easier than trying to find 12 ideal locations in one city. Uh, and so we think, you know, we found an ideal location at Lake Nona uh, in Palm Beach. We announced, uh, like I said, at the Palm Beach airport. And so we'll be doing some strategic announcements of, of where our locations are at, you know, over the next year or so uh, in our, with our partners that are building out the infrastructure. And, and you know, I, I think long-term, Anywhere that is a demand center, right? As you and I have talked about, they've you know these demands. Where people, where do people want to go, right? That's where a vertiport uh, could be useful, right? Then there's the idea of is this the right time? Is there location? You know, we'll talk about some limiting factors, but you know that's really the way to begin to think about where you know from a city perspective, where is an ideal location? Is where where people want to go, or where a lot of people are leaving from, right? Uh, ideally, both. Uh, and so you can begin in any city realize there's more than one location that is ideal in any city. Uh, but the good news is uh, we think you can start with you know one. One location in a city and, and really draw in a nice size catchment area from that. So I, I did want part of this to be an educational part. Um, these are not going to pop up in everybody's backyard. Um, you know, in terms of conversation, you and I've had that. What are some of the regulations that you see to get a vertiport approved? Uh, and who are the approving agencies on those? Yeah, so I, I, these not only will these not be popping up in your backyard, right? Uh, uh, in, unless you you live in a hotel um, or you know a, a, a shopping mall, um, you know th these are not uh, first of all individual aircraft. I think as we've talked about, and so you know they're going to be you know uh, these mini airports that will be approved by a variety of different agencies. So inside, uh, you know, in the state of Florida. Uh, right. If you think about, we've talked about the FAA who has the approval process because literally the application that is filed for a vertiport is the same application you file for an airport, right? It is an airport application. And so uh, the FAA is going to ensure that it is safe, safely, it can operate safely, that the, there are no airspace issues tied to operating out of that uh, location. Uh, the state of Florida also has a permit registration process for airports. And then the city or county that you're in has land use jurisdiction, right, to make sure that these are in the right locations. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where a lot of work will happen over the next five to 10 years is thinking about where are the right locations when we've, you know, we will fall under oftentimes looking at where, uh, you know, heliports are located or able to be located. But, you know, the reality is the reason we restricted where heliports can go is the noise issue, right? And so, you know, I, I like to, you know, think, you know, we are somewhere uh, getting closer to the way that we would think about a, um, a, a, a drive-through speaker, right? So in a lot of cities, if you want to put a drive-through in, uh, you have to get a conditional use permit, but that's a noise issue, right? And so if we can eliminate this noise issue, right, we, we, we think that this can be a cleaner process and easier process with cities and counties. It doesn't require that same uh, uh, threshold, but still would allow cities and counties to decide what, what zoning districts do they want to see this in, just as you can't open up a restaurant in your backyard in most cities. Um, you know, we don't anticipate that any city would, uh, you know, want a vertiport to be put in someone's backyard, right? Uh, so I, I think we're very focused on these demand centers, which tend to be in downtowns or in high activity centers, uh, which are, are, you know, prime uh, for this and really where there's, even if there was noise, uh, the noise impact uh, would not be, uh, uh, you know, hurt anything around it. And so we're working with our, the cities across Florida to make sure we find those, those proper locations. You, you've been leading the charge to actually get one of the first vertiports in the country approved. 
how long have you guys been at it and you know how long does it traditionally take to get through the process to get a bird report approved yeah i think i don't know that i can even put a, a time on it because really the process for lilium has started you know years ago when the, you know the folks who were at lilium even before me you know and it began initial conversations with all those regulatory partners right uh, i think what uh should not be lost anyway is is this is a you know a we are working with regulators to ensure everyone's level of comfort. And that work has been ongoing now for years, right? So that's when the process really started. Um, you know, we did file, you know, an, an, an application, um, you know, for, you know, the vertiport approvals that we'll need in Orlando. Um, you know, we're still working with all the different uh, re regulators uh, and, and hope that we'll have, a, you know, approval and maybe one of the first approvals. Um, but, you know, it's hard to put a timeline on that because, you know, our, you know, yes, we want to make sure that this moves fast and quickly so that we can uh, be up and running and operational in time for our entry into service. But also important is to have our regulatory partners be that partners, right? Uh, and that's kind of our main focus and, and our philosophy is, you know, this isn't a, you know, elbow your way in a, a, as much as you can, right? This is a, you know, let's, you know, work within the framework that exists uh, and make sure we get everyone comfortable. And, and, you know, it's been a really great process to do that, right? At the local level, at the state level, and at the federal level, um, you know, it's been a really good coordination to, to make sure that that all of the, the you know, boxes are checked, uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed, and that this is going to be safe, right? We want to make sure that that, it, that not only do we know it's safe, but that the regulators feel comfortable and confident that it will be safe. Yeah, that coordination that you refer to is is going to be paramount to actually have this success. And and I, you know, one of the areas I look at and think about is the last mile. You know, you basically get a connection over from Lake Nona to, you know, another uh, vertiport, and then basically having the surrounding transit agencies and or microtransit available to actually help service that last mile connectivity. Um, is Lilium coordinating with them directly on this, or is that uh, is that too too far in the future? I think it's a little early for us to uh, you know know the specifics of uh, you know exact partners for last mile. We do imagine, and we know that you know the, the operating partners uh, and the Vertiport partners will all have relationships to ensure that people get to their final destination, and that's going to look different depending on where we're landing, right? Um, you know, landing at, at Palm Beach Airport, uh, you know, they'll be able to take advantage of some of the existing infrastructure there that will connect people to their last mile. Uh, landing in Lake Nona, right? Lake Nona has Beep, which is an autonomous shuttle that operates around Lake Lake Nona. Uh, you know, we anticipate that you know Tavistock and Lake Nona team are going to work at, with Beep to make sure that we have the right connectivity uh, from the Beep shuttles to get people to where they're going. Um, but that there's also other solutions that exist out there. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. There were there are a lot of of folks who uh, spend a lot of time thinking about what these last mile uh, solutions uh, ought to be, could be, and should be. And, and, and I think that's super important, but I think just as with anything, the, the way we're going to figure that out is once we get operating on these first, you know, few vertiports, we'll understand, uh, you know, uh, what the passenger appetite is and what they are looking for, right? So we'll have a variety of options to begin with. And I, I imagine that those will start to solidify, right? There's, there's a certain location we've looked at where, you know, a golf cart to get people to where they're actually going maybe the best uh, mode because they, you know, it's everyone's going to one of four locations. You get them in a golf cart and you get them there, right? Ideally, long term, it'll be you know another autonomous shuttle that will be operating to get them there. Um, but I think it's going to really depend on the location. Oftentimes, if we're landing in a city, um, we're going to rely on the 
the existing uh, public transit that exists in the city, right? And the existing transportation solutions that are out there. Um, you know, we've talked with, uh, you know, in, in Tampa, they've got the streetcar system, right? Which they're looking to continually expand. And that's a great way to get uh, uh, to your final destination. But then there's existing modes of, of the, you know, ride sharing and ride hailing solutions that are out there. Uh, and so I think all of those are on the table and we'll, you know, part of it will be seeing what the passengers want and what experience, you know, our operators want to provide to those passengers. Speaking of the passengers, I really wanted to spend some time talking about the public perception. You know, this is one of the biggest challenges uh, with Evitals uh, as they start to come into the market. As you know, VHB, and you refer to VHB is actually helping the city of Orlando, working with stakeholders across the region to develop this advanced aerial mobility plan for passengers. Um, the passenger experience with a new mode of transportation uh, is, is going to be a challenge to get everybody feeling comfortable with it, but also using this as new mode of transportation to become sustainable and equitable across the region. So I wanted to talk about the passenger perception and I want to talk about the passenger experience. Um, who do you see um, would be the general core customers that would be using uh, the EVITALs? Yeah, I think early on, uh, you know, it's going to be leisure and business travelers uh, that, you know, value their time. The unique selling point here is the speed at which we can move people and connect cities. Uh, and, and I think, you know, some of that is net new, right? I think this is like any other uh, revolution in transportation, which we really see this as a revolution in transportation, you know, there's going to be new trips taken uh, because of this. And, you know, that might be somebody who, you know, is going to go to a meeting that they would have, you know, hopped on Zoom for, but now can, you know, quickly get to, you know, South Florida or to Tampa from Orlando. Uh, it might be that the it's an attorney that would have, you know, driven uh, and is billing by the hour and now can actually bill their client less because they're going to take a Lilium jet to get to the court hearing, right? So there's gonna be a variety of different use cases that will be out there, but it's really about valuing that time uh, because we will be getting there people there faster. Um, and so that's really the target market that we're looking at is people who want to get from one city to another and value speed. And then also connecting areas that uh, you know normally didn't have that high connecting, right? And so the beach that we go to is the beach you can get to quickly, right? But if all of a sudden you could get to just about any beach in Florida quickly, you'd probably pick all sorts of different beaches, nothing against our friend in New Smyrna, but people have different beaches that they like. Uh, and so I think the same goes for, for lots of travel, right? Travel and transportation and where companies locate tends to be about where you can get to and from and access to. And so as we begin to think about, you know, a hub in Orlando that you can connect people all across the state of Florida, right? That might mean something very different in this new work remote philosophy that we have uh, for a lot of companies, right? Where you could have a headquarters in Orlando, but have people spread out all across the state of Florida, but that you could, you know, really at the snap of a finger, be able to bring them in uh, to your corporate headquarters, even for a day for just a meeting, right? If you tried to do that today, that's a, that's a huge undertaking, right? We've all made some of these drives, uh, you know, where, you know, traffic becomes very unpredictable. You're spending, you know, it ends up being, you know, multiple hours there and back in a car. Uh, and that's not a great use of time, right? But, you know, all of a sudden, if we can bring that down drastically, it really allows people to rethink kind of their center of life, right? And where uh, they will go to dinner, where they go for the weekend, uh, where they'll even work, right? Uh, I mean, I had even a a joke about, you know, our offices for Lilium, you know, we've got, you know, a handful of folks and, and we're spread out all across Florida. Right. And, and the joke was like, yeah, well, we'll, you know, we may have, you know, some office in, in, in Florida that is, a, you know, an official office. Uh, uh, but, you know, 
when that happens, we all could probably stay where we're living because we could easily get to the office using the Lillian jet every day, right? And I think when we start to think about how this will change the way people move, I think that is really the market that we're going after, people that want to connect from city to city at a really uh, fast pace. Recently, we've had a conversation about the, the, um, the different modes of transportation. So you talk about the vehicle, the passenger cars, you talk about the trains, um, how do you see this actually shifting over time? You know, initially, uh, once the emergence comes into the market, and then long term, how do you see the, the mode shift uh, going over to the usage of the lowing vehicles? Yeah, I think there'll be mode shift, but I, I think we also, you know, th- this is a new, as I was just saying, you know, this is a new type of, ser- of transportation service. And so, yes, there'll be people that will shift from one mode to another, um, but it's also, again, about, you know, the the, the net new uh, trips, the ability to go from, you know, something on the West Coast, hop over and be able to go all the way up the East Coast. Um, and then we also think the difference is, is speed, right? And so, you know, maybe you take the train every day, um, but, you know, when you need to get there quickly, you you take a Lilium jet, right? So there's going to be different variations of that. You know, I have that today where sometimes when I go to Miami, I drive and sometimes I fly. A lot of that has to do with the mood, the time of day, the schedules, et cetera, and the traffic, depending on when I'm going. And I think the same will be with William Jet, where people will be making those decisions uh, and going between modes as well. So I think there'll be uh, some mode shift uh, that is you know, uh, broad, but I think there'll be a lot of people that are going to be making these decisions depending on the type of trip they're doing. And again, if they value that time, which we know that people do value their time. So, so valuing time is important, right? It's important to me. You know, how, how much do you estimate that this is going to cost to take the Lilium jet. I know you guys are still in the early performance on this, but you know, how much is it going to cost to take one of these vehicles? Yeah. So what we've shared is, is an average of $2.25 a mile. Um, and so we think that that's a pretty compelling proposition for most folks. Uh, when you start to kind of put that in perspective, you know, that's, you know, $150, I think around somewhere around there for Orlando to Tampa. Um, and that becomes a compelling, uh, uh, you know, argument again, especially when you factor in that time savings, depending on, on the trip and the distance and where your final destination is. Um, and so, uh, you know, $2.25 again, though, is an average, right? There'll be some flights that'll be less, some flights that'll be more. Uh, and as we grow and build the economics of scale, we believe that that will, we know that will go down. Uh, Vertiport operations will be streamlined over time, right? We're going to learn a lot on these first Vertiports and hopefully be able to bring down those costs drastically, you know, which will result in a lower cost per mile for our passengers. Um, I like to think of it just like any other form of transportation or technology for that matter. It starts out at one price, but, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, it's way less expensive, right? Whether that was air travel or that's your iPhone or flat screen TVs, right? Uh, the price will go down. And, and you know, as that price goes down, that's really where it begins to really shift the way that people think and move uh, across the country, across the state of Florida. And thinking of $2 and 25 cents a mile, I mean, going to, and you refer to Orlando to Tampa, I mean, splitting it with five people, actually, it becomes more palatable in terms of the cost per person. Yeah. So, and, it, and it is, you know, that's the cost per mile per person, right? Is right, it $2 right. and 25 cents. So you, you referred to the connections and we're actually staying on that theme between Orlando and Tampa uh, just for the for the uh, the audience. Uh, this is actually one of the major interstates connecting uh, two major cities or mid-sized cities in, in the state of Florida. Um, accidents happen a lot and that's why that time goes up, right? In terms of the, uh, it could take two hours sometimes that normally take a trip for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Public perception wise, you know, 
how safe are these vehicles versus, you know, the other modes that we've talked about, the passenger cars? You know, we believe and we in our goal, uh, right, from a safety perspective is to be as safe as commercial aircraft that are out there today. Uh, and that is what we are, we are certifying ourselves to. Uh, and so the safety record that we will have, you know, long term will, will, will demonstrate that. Um, so it's hard to kind of give, you know, data points on, on, on so that doesn't exist. Um, we understand right? Like just as we've talked about, you and I've talked about even with autonomous vehicles and other things, right? It's not about the data, right? We will have the data. We will have the FAA approve the, the, the level of safety of our vehicle. Um, but we know that people want to see more, right? They want to understand, they want to get used to it. And so it's going to take time, right? It's going to take people flying on the, on the jets uh, to, to gain that level of comfort. It's going to take us working in the community uh, to make people aware of this. And I think once people see it, um, that will also change, right? I think the, the eye-opening moment for lots of people is this isn't a tiny, you know, drone-looking aircraft, right? This is a, you know, a small commercial jet, right? It's got a 50-foot wingspan, right? This is a decent-sized vehicle that is safe. It is safe to operate and safe to fly. And I think once people see it, once they hear it, once they see it fly, uh, I think there's going to be a really turning point for, for people that not only makes this real, but makes them understand that it is real and it is safe. So, Matt, um, you know, first of all, I want to thank Lilium and I want to thank you personally for, for coming on and, and talking about uh, the vehicles, talking about the vertiports and talking about the public perception. Uh, it's certainly great to talk to you today and understand the vision of where you're going. I can't wait for the public to see this really come into action and come into uh, reality. It's inevitable. It is coming. Um, but before we go, I have, I have one more question. Um, where are you going to take your first trip? Where's it going to go? You know, it, it, it's funny. Most likely it will be a work trip, right? Uh, I, I've, I, I joke, you know, the, the beauty and what I love about my job is I get to work with all sorts of cities and counties all across the state of Florida. Uh, the downside is I am every day validating the challenge of driving and, and commuting across the state of Florida. Uh, and so I imagine that one of my first uh, trips in the Lilium Jet will be to go visit uh, our office in Miami uh, or to meet with the city somewhere across, uh, across Florida. I actually think in the connection between our Orlando office and our Tampa office. And if you ever get the connection up to Atlanta, that would even be better for me uh, personally, as much as I travel up uh, to and from to and from Atlanta. We think we'll see uh, Lilium jets all across the country eventually, right? So uh, I'm sure That's we'll be we're at some point. That's what we're hoping, sir. Matt, I can't wait to take my first trip on the Lilium jet. Thank you so much for joining us today and letting our Viewpoints listeners know more about the future of advanced air mobility. It's exciting to see it start right here in Florida, and it's really going to be a game changer for transportation and connecting communities across the globe. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate being here, man. Thanks.